Hi, this is Walford Kaufman, the pastor of Southside Baptist Church of Gaffney, South Carolina. And what I'm doing at this time is a pre-recorded sermon. This sermon is going to be preached on Sunday morning, August the 30th at Southside. That's at 204 West O'Neill Street in Gaffney. And I'm making this available for our church members especially, but it's for anybody that wants to hear the Word of God. And so I hope that you have your Bibles and go ahead and be opening up to Mark, the 6th chapter. We're going to be looking at verses 35 through 44. Mark 6, 35 through 44. And the title of this sermon is The Need for the God of the Little. The Need for the God of the Little. A little boy asked his dad one time, How big is God? And the father started to answer the question, but he looked up in the sky because he could hear a plane way up there in the sky. And he said to his son, Son, how big is that plane? And the little boy looked up and could barely see it. And he said, Oh, that plane is so small. And he said, Son, get in the car. And they traveled to the airport. As they were pulling into the airport, one of them humongous, big old planes were landing. And the father asked his son, how big is that plane? And the boy said, oh man, that's the biggest plane I've ever seen. It's gigantic. And the dad said, well, they're the same planes. See, the difference, son, when you're far away, the plane looks small. But when you're close up, you see how big it is. In the same way it is with God, when you are way, way away from Him, so far away from Him, He looks so small. But when you get closer to God, when you get closer to God, when you get closer to God, you see how big He is, how wonderful He is. And that's what we're going to be looking at. As sometimes when we're far away, it doesn't seem like God is that big, but as we get closer... He is God that is so big. But aren't you glad that He is the God of the little? Because that's where most of us start off in our life. And look at our scripture today. Here it is. Jesus is going to be feeding the 5,000. And see, a lot of people were thinking very small at that time. So look at that precious word. Mark, the 6th chapter, verse 35. By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said. It is already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy them something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the bread, the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. And the number of the men who had eaten was five thousand. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we journey into your word, 
oh, this miracle of feeding of 5,000. But Lord, you're still in the miracle business. You're still that powerful, powerful God that can do anything. And that's what we need in our lives today. Lord, let us look at your word and teach us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we look at this, we see that first, the God of little fears. There was some fear going on in those disciples' life. They couldn't find food. There's estimated, I think, 10 miles away from the nearest, really, village. That means, I mean, no taxis, no buses, no mass transportation. So we're talking about a long journey. And they were maybe a little fearful of the crowd getting angry. What about your house? When just a few of the family members started getting hungry and they want, they want something to eat and they want it then. And so... I have to ask you, what little fears do you have right now? They're, they're just little, but there's some fears that you may have in your life right now. Maybe it's a situation in your life. Maybe it's the mailbox. You don't want to open that mailbox because you know what's in it. It might be, what we used to call them, a done, a bill. Maybe you don't want to open up an email. Maybe you don't want to open up a text message because you don't know what it might say or you do know what it's going to say. Maybe it's turning on the news that, you bring, that brings fear to your life. Maybe it's turning off the news because you want to keep up with all that's going on. Maybe it's the unknown right now that's going on. I think that's bothering most of us. From one day to the next, we don't know what is going to happen, the unknown. Maybe you have a fear of the telephone ringing. Or maybe you have a fear of the telephone not ringing. Maybe you young people, you remember the days when that boyfriend, that girlfriend was supposed to call you by this time and they didn't and you started panicking. They don't love me anymore. They don't like me anymore. They don't want to be with me anymore. So the fear that comes. What about uh, looking at a calendar? Does it bring fear into your life? Not the days that's on the calendar, but for some of us, it's the days that we have left on the calendar. Our time is getting short and fear that can come in our lives. Here, the disciples. Now, you've got to remember these disciples. They're with the King of kings and Lord of lords. They're right there in His presence. But they're saying by their actions, He can't handle this. I mean, that, I mean, for them to even come to Him. Now, it's nice they were concerned about the people. They're far away from the nearest little place to get some food. They're getting hungry. It's getting late in the day. They've been there with Jesus all that time. So there was some concern, legit. But they really thought Jesus could not supply their needs. So how many of us, how many of us have a problem? And right now, we're holding this problem. we got this situation. And it looks so big in our hands. We can't handle it. We want to let go of it. We want to get rid of it. Now I want you to take that same problem that you have and I want you to put it in the hands of the Lord. I mean, actually put that in the hands of the Lord. Now look at it. Your same problem that was in your hands looks so big. Put those problems in the hands of the Lord. Does it look that big now? No, as you stand and look, it doesn't look that bad now. It doesn't look that big now. But what you can say, or maybe ask yourself, then whose hands does it need to be in? Does it need to be in your hands? Or does it need to be in the Lord's hands? We need to claim Ephesians 3.20. 
it says there, Now to him who is able to do immeasurable more than all we ask or imagine. Think about that scripture. According to his power that is at work within us. Oh, we got to be involved. His power, but it's in us. His power, not ours. In us. So, the God of the little, the, also the God of the little faith. The God of little faith. Do not, and please understanding, this is a warning to you. Do not, do not challenge Jesus in what He can't do. Don't challenge Him. Look what happened here. They come to Him and say, oh, you know, they need to be going to the villages and buy themselves something to eat. And what did He do? He gave it over to them. He said, you give them something to eat. So that's the warning. Don't tell Jesus what He can't do. He'll turn around and say, now you go do it. And that's what He's doing in this situation. You give them something to eat. And we're quick to make excuses. I mean, what's your excuse? But look what the disciples said. And the first thing they said is, it's going to take eight months of a man's salary. Take your salary. Take eight months of it. That's a lot of money. That's a big old uh, chunk of, uh, your, of what belongs to you. And that's what they're asking there. Uh, you know, it's going to take a lot of time. It's going to take a lot of energy. And see, we're always wanting to turn, <laughs> turn to the Lord in saying, now look at this. That's not the way we do it. We want to turn the Lord's work into our way we measure things. Think about it. Realize this. Admit it right up front. The Lord does not work like we do. He doesn't. Thank goodness He doesn't do that. See, we come to the Lord with our little shovel of need. I need this. And there is our Lord that has a big old dump truck of blessings to pour upon us. We're worried about our little cupfuls, our little shovelfuls of problems and situations. And He's got all the answers. And so, here they are. And what they do... They kind of went through a, a fake attempt to check out the food. They already had in their mind, we don't have enough. They had already made up their mind. That's why they went to Jesus in the first place. But what they do is, uh, and then he said to them, you know, what you're going to do, go find out. Go and see. And then what did they do? They came back, how many loaves do you have? Well, there's five loaves and there's two fish. They even added that. He just wanted the bread at first. Five loaves, two fish. All that's going on there. And so that's all they had. So look at that. There's kind of like an attitude is, well, Jesus, we did what you said, but I told you so. There's only five loaves, and these are more like breadsticks. You know what I'm talking about? The little skinny breadsticks. And those fish, they're more like sardines or, or, or fish bait. That's what all that was there. And so when we look at our lack of faith, when we look at what we've got, five loaves and two fish, we need to ask something. Now this, this is what you need to do. Mark it down. You, if you were there at the home watching this, get your pad there. I want you to make note of something. When you're lacking faith, ask yourself these questions. Has the Lord ever, ever failed me? Has the Lord ever failed you? That's a serious question. Has there ever been a genuine need? A genuine need that he didn't meet? A genuine need. Now, I got a lot of wants. Boy, I can pull out all kind of wants. Lord, you didn't do this and do that, and thank God he didn't. 
But your genuine need, has he ever failed to meet that need? Has he ever failed to keep one promise that he's ever made? One promise. Now think about it. Lack of faith, but look what he's already done. Already done. What he's doing. And guess what? He's going to be doing it tomorrow as we keep trusting in him. So has Jesus saved you? Has he saved you? Has Jesus forgiven you? Has he forgiven you? Has Jesus prepared a place for you? It's even called a mansion. Excuse me. <coughs> He's prepared a place for you. So the question, when you came to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you might have been a young adult, you might have been a teenager, you might have been a child. How much faith did you have? A little. A little. I know many people start questioning their faith when they get to be a certain age. Well, I, don't, I, I was too young. No, you were not too young. You made a decision to trust Jesus just like a child should do. You had little knowledge, little faith, but what did you do? You gave that faith to Jesus. And when He said that if you call upon His name and you ask for forgiveness, He will come into your heart and He will never leave you or forsake you. So what did that little faith do to you? That little faith saved you for eternity. So if that little faith, at whatever age that was, you could, have been, you could have been a middle age, you could have been a senior adult, but that little faith that you had then saved you. What can your faith now do? As it grows, as it matures in the Lord. So what it can do. So we also see we have the God of little food. Now, some of disappointed because we like the buffets, don't we? We want all of it. But what did Jesus do? He took what was there. He didn't go and ask for some more. He didn't ask for a multiple. Uh, what is it? A magnifying glass to see to make them bigger. He just took what was there: five little loaves of bread and two little fish. And he looked up to heaven. He asked blessings upon it, and he broke it. He broke the bread and he divided the fish. That's what he did. And you know what? He had to do it over and over and over again. I, I can safely say this. He had to do it 12 times because he had to give it to the disciples who then went out and gave it to the, the groups of hundreds and fifties. So he went and did that. One writer said that he probably did it a whole lot more than that, that they had to keep coming back, and they had to keep coming back because we're talking about 5,000 men. They didn't count the women, they didn't count the teenagers, they didn't count the children. So we're talking about 10,000, 12,000 more people at least. All that's going on. But they kept getting those refills until every need was met. Every mouth had food. Every stomach was filled. All that. So when are we going to learn? When are we going to learn that we take our little and give it to Jesus? Take our little and give it to Jesus. It was a little baby that finally brought peace to Abraham and Sarah. It was a, basically a little stick that Moses used, departed that Red Sea, and the people of Israel left Egypt and was free going to the Promised Land. A little stick. It took a little boy that took a little stone 
and took down a giant of a man, David. He was just a, a little fella with one stone. He had more. I guess he thought he had to have a backup plan, but he took one stone and brought the giant down. It took a little garment called a mantle that Elisha used and just uh, parted the water in the Jordan River so they could walk across. It took a little widow who had just a little bit of food that she was just preparing for her and her son to eat one meal and die. But Elisha came onto the scene. And what God did, God took that lady's little. And what happened? There was a meal and a meal and so much of a meal uh, and extra that they were able to sell it and she was able to pay some bills and get things taken care of all because she gave it to the Lord. It, uh, it took a little girl, I say, a mere teenager, that's all she was. Her name was Mary. And she gave birth to the Christ child. The little things, the little people, the ones that we think, oh, they're not that important. God can take our littles and use it in a mighty, mighty way. When are we going to learn that we are to take our littles? See, I know some of you got some great intentions. You got great. Once I get to this point, once I get this amount, once I get this amount of time, I'm going to do these things for the Lord. That's not what He wants. He wants us right now in the beginning, the beginning of everything, to give it all to Him. That's what He's wanting. See, we know that Jesus could have fed those 5,000 plus people all by Himself. He didn't need those disciples. I mean, uh, you know, the manna that fell from the sky. I mean, right now, there could have been a cloud come up, and that's Kentucky Fried Chicken. Here comes another cloud up, and that's Subway. Here comes Taco Bell hopping along, coming along for the teenagers who want to feed them. He could have done all this and all. But what happened? He wanted to use that little boy. He wanted to use that little boy. So really, there was two miracles that day. Two miracles. First was a little boy who gave his little, his little amount, five loaves. See, you get, that's why I said that bread was small because it was designed for just for a little boy. He gave those five loaves and those two fish. Now, can you imagine what he had to say to his parents when he got home? Can you just imagine what he had to say? Can you imagine what he told his friends for the rest of his life? what Jesus did. But the second miracle was what happened to the disciples. That's what was so wonderful in all this going on. That, so they, they were involved in this process. They were involved with this process of how wonderful it was. They, were, they knew how this story... Think about it. Think about it. Think, they were there from the very beginning. They were there from the very beginning. There's nothing to feed this crowd of folks. Oh, we got two loaves, I mean, excuse me, five loaves of bread and two fish. That's all we got. They probably could hold it in their hand like this, one disciple. And then they saw Jesus pray over and then bless it and, and broke it. And what happened? All these people were fed. And so all that was going on there, and then how they were involved in the end. How many, how many baskets... And so and they all ate, and the disciples picked up 12 baskets. Why were there 12 baskets? It was 12 baskets because there's 12 disciples. 
The twelve disciples each need to pick up and feel the weight and see the amount and know that's what Jesus had done. That's what happened there. See, there's still those folks that say that was impossible. I want to say it was impossible to man. That's why Jesus had to do it. And man, you know, you know, man could not have done it. One unbeliever says that was an optical illusion. Now, one big old magic trick. I want to tell you something. You can play tricks with my eyes, but you can't play tricks with my stomach. That makes sense? You can play tricks with my eyes and make, oh, did that really happen? But you can't not play tricks with my stomach. It was a long day. They were hungry. They, uh, and they were fed so much. They were fed so much that as 12 baskets walked through the crowd, I mean, you know, those way off on the edges, when those baskets were making their way to Jesus, there was not one person that said, yo, yo, disciple, come here. I need some more. Or my son, he's a teenager. He needs some more. Not one of them cried out that way. Every man, 5,000 of them, then every lady and every teenager and every child were fed. They were filled. See, Jesus is the Lord of the little. But this scripture is not about food. Did y'all know that? This scripture is not about food. This is not about a hungry crowd that could have rioted if they didn't get enough food. This is about an all-sufficient Savior. That's what the Scripture is all about. This all-sufficient Savior. He is sufficient to save you. Because I know there's some of you that are saying, God cannot save me. I am not worthy. I am dirty. I am sinful. I've done such nasty things. Nobody can save me. If Jesus can do this, He can save you. He is that sufficient. He is sufficient to forgive you. And I think that's what hurts so many of us believers today. Yes, I've trusted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but I can't forgive myself. Why can't you? If Almighty God can forgive you, why can't you forgive yourself? He is sufficient. He not only forgives you, He forgets it. And that's a whole lot better than our family. He is all-sufficient to save you. He's all-sufficient to, to uh, uh, forgive you. And all this sufficient to take care of that little that you have. Well, I can't do much. I, you know, what's the excuse you're going through? I, you know, I, you know, I never learned how to read that good. I, I, I don't know how to. I don't know how to speak in front of folks. I don't know how to do this, and I'm not, You know, I can't do that. And you go through all those things. That scripture was to say, take your little, as little as little as it is. Isn't that something in Scripture something about a mustard seed? Go get your mustard seed and look at it. If you can take five loaves, two fish from a little boy and feed the multitude, what can God do with you? What can God do with you right now? So what do I do? What do I do? Be like the little boy. Be like the little boy. What did he do? He gave his all to Jesus. He gave his all to Jesus. And that's all Jesus wants from you right now. 
Whatever little you think it is, it's big in the eyes of God. Give it to Him. Hand it over to Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray now for each person that's participating in this worship experience that You would just work in their heart. Lord, I pray for that one that somehow found their way to this video and they feel like nobody can save them. Nobody loves them. Let them feel Your power. Let them feel Your love right now. Let them realize how special they are. No matter what they have done, they could have been the dirtiest of the dirty. But now, Lord, You can cleanse them. You can make them brand new. And You will forgive them if they just confess their sin and invite You into their heart. I pray for that one that many years ago gave their heart to You. But Lord, some reason Satan keeps attacking them and attacking them and saying, You're not forgiven. Let them realize how they are forgiven, how they are loved. Lord, let them feel this power. And Lord, I pray, I pray right now for those who feel like they're not important in the kingdom's work, that let them realize that little they have may be that one ingredient their church family needs right now. It might be that one ingredient that will change their community, change their workplace. So I pray that you'll work in their life. Lord, thank you. As we give it all over to you like that little boy. I think he walked home that day. Really, feet not touching the ground. Because he gave his all to Jesus. Lord, let us feel that way now. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you made a decision to trust Jesus, please let me know. Pastor at GaffneySouthside.com Please let me know. You can call me, text me, 864-812-0073. That's 864-812-0073. We'd love to know if you made a decision to trust Jesus. Also, I invite you to be a part of our church. Uh, we meet at 204 West O'Neill Street in Gaffney. Our worship service on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We do live stream. Uh, and so we invite you to come be a part of our church family. And so please, any way we can help, any way we can minister, prayer needs, those same numbers, that same address, let me know. But we sure love to ha have some knowledge that God is working in your life in a special way. Now I finished the sermon, and I'm going to go ahead and share our prayer request. I know this is Wednesday. And I like to try to do the prayer request on, on Thursday morning, but I've got a long uh, day meeting tomorrow and won't be able to do it then. So if you don't mind, I'm going to share our prayer list for our church family. Guests, you're welcome to keep on listening and give some announcements of what's happening with our church. But uh, we do want to remember Lindsay Ellis as she's having some trouble, some nerve damage in her ear and going to a specialist. And so do be in prayer for her. Grayson Jolly as he's recovering, recovering from a work-related accident he had on his finger. But the Lord has brought him through it this far and we praise the Lord for that. Remember Harold Crocker. He is home under hospice care. And so uh, lift him up in prayer. Larry Dengate as he's recovering 
but he'll go back toward the end of uh, September to see the doctor about rescheduling. Uh, there's some other problems. They're going to have to go in and have some more surgery. So remember Larry Dengate in prayer. Debbie Good is having a carpal tunnel uh, surgery September the 1st. Lift her up in prayer. Valina Owensby has had one eye done, I believe, and going to have another eye. And this is scar tissue left over from cataract surgery. And they're going in there and kind of getting that cleaned up. Raymond Yelton is his circulation... Uh, Seems to be holding that pretty good on his foot. He got hearing aids, and so that's helped his hearing situation. Praise the Lord for that. But do pray for his uh, circulation and that foot. Uh, Brenda Parker, uh, as she is recovering, I think she said this is about 15 weeks after taking a terrible fall on her face, still experiencing some pain and some numbness in her face. And so continue to lift her up in prayer. We've been asked by Chip Scoggins, remember Phyllis Brockman, also, Danny Higgins has to remember James Higgins, his brother in prayer. And uh, continue to pray for Johnny Price, his brother, uh, Dennis Price. Uh, and But uh, also some praise this past Sunday during our worship service, Harold and Nancy Crocker. They were not able to be with us, so we did this as abstentia uh, and all when they would be in uh, service because of the health. But we voted them. Uh, to be a part of our church family. They're going to do the new members class and all that, but they're going to be a part of our church family. Also, Holden Coggins, a young man that just recently married Brooklyn Jolly uh, just a few short months ago. Uh, and so uh, her new husband, Holden, is now part of our church family uh, as he came to be part of it. Also, this past Sunday, we voted for new deacon officers for this coming year. Um, our chairman is Jeff Bice. Our vice chairman is Ron Harold, and our secretary is Chris Cook. Also, be in prayer for our uh, deacon ordination, as that's going to be on September the 6th, first Sunday of September, is we'll be ordaining Roy Brackens, Chris Cook, and Steve Green. That's Roy Brackens, Chris Cook, and Steve Green will be ordaining them to the deacon ministry. And we hopefully, prayerfully work it all out that they're going to share their testimonies. And so that ought to be something very special on that day. Hope that you're able to attend. Also in prayer and needs, continue to remember all of our children, youth that are in school. Pray for the staff at school. Pray for wise decisions. Whether it's COVID-19 and all the kind of restrictions, but also to being very cautious. But do pray that we can get school going, get families back to a normal schedule, and also get our church back to a normal schedule also. Uh, but uh, I hope that you've uh, uh, kind of enjoyed this time of getting updated on what's going on with the church and all. And, uh, but it sure be good to have you back when you can. And so let's just keep on praying. Let's pray as we close. Father, thank you for having an update of what's going on with our church, but it's not the same as not being here. Lord, as we hear the prayer needs and concerns, thank you for that. But I pray for each one that's watching this, especially our church family. Lord, just work in their life like they've never felt before. Lord, you're still in the miracle business. That's why we look to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you. And we'll be seeing you later.